This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. Welcome to People of the Book, Raymond Izakov. It is such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, and thank you for having me on. It really is a pleasure. And congratulations on the publication of your very first book, a poetry collection, Whale Tales. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And I'm sure it, it must be quite a, an overwhelming feeling having your first book published. How does that feel? Liberating. I, I had these poems living in my head and now I've set them free. So it's, it's a good feeling. Hopefully they find good homes, but uh, I've done my bit now. Well, thank you for sharing with the world. And I have to ask you, why the title Whale Tales? The tail part is on the cover, but Whale Tales is like a platform where you're observing things and there's depth that follows it. We're sitting on the depth and, uh, and there's more to it than the steady platform we think we're on. And oh, uh, it just kind of hints at, at what's not seen. Very interesting. Um, and I have to just point out that on the back of the book, you, you have a beautiful, some beautiful wording. It says, find the notes tucked into the folds of your mind to smooth out on your heart. And I just think that is so, so beautiful. Um, as we were, were chatting before we started this interview, we were saying poetry is quite subjective and sometimes the meaning behind the poem is quite obvious. Some have more depth. Some, some mean something that's quite obscure. Some have meaning to the writer. And sometimes we, we wonder what the, the poet's trying to say. And I'm very lucky that I'm getting to chat with you and, and we, we get the chance to, to pick it all apart. I literally could discuss every single poem in this book with you <laughs> because. Oh, thank you. There, there's there's so much in here, but I'm I'm gonna I've, I've picked a few that I want to chat about, and obviously I want my listener to to be able to to get this book, to go out and get the book. Where is the book available? Dealers at all the outlets of book dealers, and also it's on Kindle. So I'm on Amazon, Amazon yeah. Kindle, and I just have to say it's Whale Tales T A L E S. As in yeah, boys, yeah. not not a, as yeah. an actual whale tale. I was going to just say something earlier when you were talking about the poems. You spoke about depth. That adds to the the cover, the whale tales with depth. <laughs> yes. So to start off with your your preface, you you speak about a someone. He told me he's lived under the stairs for many years, and you continue to speak about this person, this he. Who are you speaking about? Are you speaking about yourself, your soul, the voice in your head? Who is this person that you preface the book speaking about? Well, in, in my case, it's someone that, that 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 guides me along the road of inspiration. And uh, I've at various stages even given him a name. But it's a kind of a request for the reader to find their own person living under their own stairs. And so they'll come up with their own understanding of what they've read according to the guide, they, the guiding they get from that person, that thing, that feeling. I love that. So, so that's what it is. And, and this, this person that's living under the stairs is kind of secret. He's been watching me and hearing me and 
not troubling me and not scaring me, but they're there and he's there. He, it's there. And for everybody, we've all got that person. If we turn to them, it's almost getting permission to, to get that inspiration out. Really, your inner voice. We all have that inner voice. Basically, yes. Yeah. And, and then there's a poem towards the end of the book called You Talking to Me. Is, is this the same voice that you're referring to again? It's a shadow. Ah, interesting. A shadow. In the dark, he disappears. You see, there's that line in the middle oh, of the poem. Right. I just looked at it. I wondered yeah. if, I wondered if it was, is like an imaginary But it doesn't have friend. to be a shadow. I wondered if it was an imaginary friend, you know, because we all, you know, when we're children, we have that, many people have that imaginary friend that they, that accompanies them on their journey. And then we lose it as we grow older. Yeah, yeah. But you see, the thing is, there's no wrong. If, if you think it's an imaginary friend and it works and, it, and, it, and you feel better for having read it as an imaginary friend, that's what it's supposed to have been. My guy told me that this was his shadow because I think what instigated that poem was I was just thinking that, you know, when you die, the shadow dies with you. True. You get buried with your shadow. But, um, uh, but you're not wrong by having it as an imaginary friend. If if it adds to your life anything, I'm blessed. Uh, I'm happy because that's that that's right. There's no wrong. That's the problem. We were brought up with right and wrong with poetry, and as you said, totally subjective. So how can it be? And this wrong? is the other thing we were talking about um, before we actually started the interview with learners at school, and and with being taught poetry. And being taught that this is what the poem is about. And then when they offer their own opinions, they're told they're wrong. And how can your opinion be wrong? Yeah, absolutely. And, and they start off, and if you're lucky, you, you do it in English and not maybe middle, you know, from English from the middle ages and words you don't understand. Instead of starting with Ogden Nash with Grimes and, you know, there's so many easier, nicer, more uh, fuzzy things that we could do it with poetry. But uh, it comes down to, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's kind of elite. But the problem is there's lots of very good messages and they can't be overlooked. You know, there are straightforward poetry messages that come through and they are vitally important. I don't have in my poetry too many of those subjects in, but it doesn't mean I don't think they are vitally important. One of the the poems I loved, Do You See the Light?, um, he was aware of a long, dark passage ahead of him. And I'm, I just want to say, I'm not reading out complete poems here. The object, yeah. obviously, is for you to go out and buy the book so that you can read these poems for yourself. I'm picking out poems along the way that have have um, spoken to me specifically and that I've chosen about to, to chat about on the show. And um, I, I really don't want to read out all this, this poetry because I want you to go and buy the book. Um, do you see the light? It says he was aware of a long, dark passage ahead of him. At the end was a light drawing him towards it. And, you know, when you read those first two lines, you immediately think of, of you know, death going towards the light. And then it, it, it turns, it takes a turn. And it says um, it was outside the door on the submarine toilet. Yeah. Oh, that was just hilarious. And then it says <laughs> men. 
which he realized had to mean more effort needed. <laughs> Raymond, <laughs> brilliant, okay. brilliant, especially because it was I'm written so by a man. I really am pleased you saw that 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 light at the end of the tunnel straight from the beginning. So uh, it was, you know, you sometimes worry that things are a little bit too cryptic, but uh, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so and happy. I think I think people tend to think of, of poetry being heavy and serious. And a lot of these are, are quite light and amusing. I mean, there are the serious poems here, and there are poems with, which have more serious subject matter. But I mean, this is funny, and it just shows you that poetry doesn't all have to drag you down. And you can write poetry, as you say, on anything. And and I just <laughs> this one was absolutely brilliant. I think I, I think following in what you're saying now, I think there's a poem called. Hot stuff that I wrote. Sorry, I'm doing this. Uh, maybe it's not the right thing to do, but I'm doing everything for the first time with you here. So it talks about creativity. It says, the first line is, walk with me to the caldera's edge. Yes. And then that is all, it's, it's all, I, I like that poem. I, I like it a lot. And it's, when I say that I'm not boasting, it's just who helped me write it did a good job. So, uh, but the last line makes it light. Yes. Even though yes. until then, you know, so that's the kind of thing that I like doing because I want to, it, it's, it's common, it's common stuff. That's what I want to do. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to, um, drag people down. And I think that's, that's what's quite unique about this book is that you're appealing to, to people's lighter side and you are, you're reaching out to people and you're showing them that poetry doesn't have to be what they've often been taught that it is, Mm, mm. which I like. But, but on the, the flip side of the coin, your poem called Eating Out in Africa. Mm-hmm. is something that we've we've all experienced it's a poem about um you know we we go to restaurants well we we used to go to restaurants and we we are starting to hopefully do it again a bit more now and um you know you have, have people coming up to us either while we're sitting eating or as we leave the restaurant who come up and and you know put their hand out you know you've just eaten this satisfying meal and you have people who come up to you and and who knows the last time they've eaten and you've written a very moving poem about that. And, and, but also you've lightened it by, by the lines saying, come on, man, I love you honest and saying, God bless Africa. Yeah. Everybody loves you. A lot of my poetry I started writing when I went in, I, I was working as a consultant in Africa, sitting on an airplane going there. Restaurant. I remember where this was. And, um, it kind of opens your eyes. You're going back and you're thinking all those thoughts you thought, and then you get smacked in the face by this, I love you. Yeah. Africa's a good place. It's a very good source for so much. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And if you've, you've traveled, I mean, if you've traveled within the, within the continent, then, I mean, there's, there's sources for material absolutely everywhere. everywhere. Tell me about the, this poem called Galvani's Frog. It's just, it's one of my first poems that I ever wrote. It's just that um, the movement of electricity and and on a, it was a cadaver that they were dissecting and uh, it moved, but it was basically 
It was about electricity. And I was just wondering if it moves because of electricity, because of electricity, or it moves because of something else that the person that's doing the work on it would find out, hopefully never find out. (laughs) Interesting concept. That's that's also as you you know it's finding the interesting in the in the mundane, and 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 there is just it makes your world so much bigger. Yeah, finding the interesting, and it's also about about looking for the magic, really. Mm, 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 mm. So then we move on to a poem called "Heal Bomb Hallelujah," which has a completely different layout to any of the other poems. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about why this is is so different from all of the others. I I I think what what happened was uh, it was a memorial that I had gone to for for a friend of mine. Uh, it was a black lady, and um, the memorial was there, and there was church singing. So I think I was infused with rhythm by being there, and then that's why this has got a bit more. Rhythm in the poem. It's like, it's got a chorus almost. So I think that's what, what caused the difference. I've only got one rhyme in the whole book and that's the one about the lion at the, at the, at the park. I don't know if you saw that. One. Yes. But uh, that's the only rhyme. But even this one doesn't rhyme, but it has a chorus. So I think it's the music that came from the people at the, at that. It was in a big white tent, and we were all sitting on plastic chairs. Uh, it was, uh, I can feel it still. It's interesting to me that some of your poems are literally three or four lines, some straight two pages. And obviously that's as, as whatever the inspiration grabs you, whatever you have to say about a particular subject. You know, you set out and think to yourself, this is going to be a long one, this is going to be a short one, or do you just go with the flow? Even the long ones, it's not, uh, it's not a flow. I, I, I think I, I, my view is that even though we t- so talking about how light poetry should be, it still deserves respect. So even if you're writing almost like flow of consciousness type of stuff, it still deserves the respect of being checked and going through and not duplicating and, and, and not overdoing or underdoing. So it's not planned in advance. Sometimes it just keeps going and you just say to yourself or to the muse that's sitting next to you, I think you should stop now. I must go to bed. But, um, the, the short ones are different. The very short ones, because I, I think there's about two or three haiku in them, which are very special because you've got to have a certain amount of syllables per line. And the one uh, uh, called uh, Noah May, that's about my new granddaughter. She's now 14 months old. And wow. um, that's, wow. a hi- that's a haiku. It's, it's, got, it's, it's written to, seems to say very little, but I think it says a lot for me. And it's also, the, there's, some, there's a discipline in writing it, which gives it immense power for me. It's like, um, I don't know, it, it makes it simple but intricate and delicate as a haiku. So the short ones are, are, are far more thought involved in the shortness, while the long ones, as they have to come, they come. But then they do still need work. It's not that you can just sit down and let it. You can. You can sit down and write poetry. Anyone can. And But if you give it the respect it needs, you just you, you got to work on it and then polish it and, like a diamond. 
you are listening to People of the Book, and I'm talking to Raymond Isakov about his brand new book, a poetry collection, Whale Tales. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I'm back, and we are chatting poetry with Raymond Isakov, and he's just published his first book, a poetry collection, Whale Tales. And before the break, we were talking about different lengths of poems, different styles of poetry, different styles of writing. How long does it take you to write a poem? I mean, obviously, the shorter ones you said have got a lot more depth. When you write a long poem, do you go over it and over it? Do you finesse it or do you just leave it and let it be? I think it's something you learn eventually when to leave it. Um, I... If it doesn't work, it must come out. If it's an unnecessary, even unnecessary description, it must, if it's unnecessary, it must come out. That was, as I said to you earlier, I, I learned to write in short stories, actually. I didn't write poetry from the beginning. It was short stories, which I'm putting together now. But, but um, it was with Lionel Abrams and his saying was, why have you said that? And, uh, what I do is once I've gone written something and I, I, I and, and it can take me if the idea is almost fleshed out in my mind, I, it doesn't take very long. And then I put it on paper and then still fix it up. But I always ask why for every, every word, basically every word and, um, and words become the sentences and every sentence. And if they don't do anything for it, then they must leave. I see, yeah. Get to know your own writing. You get to know what needs to be said and what doesn't need to be said. In your poem, In an Outing, I found that quite, it's very touching. Is this, this is something about it. It seems to be an elderly couple. Am I right? There's a few. No, there's a, it, it was written in, in, in a, a well-known coffee shop in Glen Hazel. And a group of people had come in there and they came from down the road where they, uh, in a shelter, they were in, in, in a shelter, a place that looks after them. Right. right. And I was watching these people and, and they were glowing. They were glowing with themselves being, you know, amongst other people and feeling fitting in, but obviously not fitting in a hundred percent. You could see they, a different group of people, but they, they felt so good. And I just looked at this and all these ideas just started pouring in. And I just wrote them down and then put them now together properly afterwards. But it, it, it's almost, I should actually find out the, the lady's name. I know, I know who it is, but I forget her name. We brought them. I actually sent her a, a copy and she was happy with us that, that I'd seen what I saw. Because it, it's, it's not preachy. moving. No, it's not preachy at all. That's the problem about this. Also, it sounds like me too now when I talk because it's like preachy. But it's it's just it excites me when I when, uh, I don't know. It's like you know before before you when you when you when you, when we were kids and we used to go down to the sea on holiday, you could smell the sea before you could see the sea, but you still had that excitement. Yes, you know, smelling yes. the salty air. That's what, like now, when I'm talking about the poems and I'm thinking about them, I'm smelling them. It's a good thing. It's mixing the senses for poetry. I like that, mixing the senses for poetry. That's beautiful. Your poem, Wreath, three lines again, 
about don't bring fake flowers. I mean, some of the some of the poetry you write. Do you write when you're angry, or do you always write when you're feeling in a, a more inspirational frame of mind? The inspiration hits when it wants to, but I think when I'm happy, I, I think I write less. I think I write more when I'm either down or contemplative or. Um, I, I think it comes from that. I don't know why, but then maybe it's just the subject that make me feel that way, you know, when I write about them. But I remember there's one poem there, I think it's called Drakensberg or something. Yes. It's about <laughs> that, that, that. I wasn't feeling down. I was feeling, uh, it was like I was inside a, a massive hall or chapel, I suppose. With sound, and I was on holiday at the at the Berg, and that's a short poem, but it's a very happy poem. It it, it rises for me. Uh, that wasn't written in dark space. It was written very bright. It's very apparent because you talk about your hand painted sky and the crystal blue of pure thoughts. I mean, that's mm. it's a light, very it's very beautiful, and it talks about inspiration and cruising hearts. And as I said earlier, I'm not reading complete poems. The the whole no, no. point of this is so that uh, my listener can go out and buy the book, which is available at all branches of book dealers in Johannesburg and also available on Amazon Kindle. Raymond Isakov, I wish we had a lot more time. Tell me, um, I think this is a bit like asking people, which is your favorite child? Do you have a favorite poem in this compilation there is a poem there that i really like problem that i've had with it is when some people have got that it's not a problem it's going back to the beginning of our discussion some people have just not seen it in the same way that i've seen it not not as bad or as good or right or wrong but just not i i, I see it a bit of a horror and someone said that it's quite it's quite humorous and, 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 and I think I like it more because of that. Which poem is it? It's, it's called Mellow Yellow. And, um, it's a long one. It's a longer one. But, um, I think I, you know, there's a bias when I wrote, because I, I, I knew what I was writing about. So that's why I, I felt that way. But the fact that it has got these extremes makes me like it more. It's bigger than the page it's on. Because it's got, you know, you love it because it's got meaning for you, and that's yeah, yeah, that's and, and it's and it's and it's got a different with meaning that. for someone else, but but also it's got a meaning for them. You know, if it was, I don't see what you're saying, but that's all. That was then it was nothing, but it, it says I see it as humorous. That's fine. That's fine. It's still a meaning, even though it's not my meaning. It doesn't, and it doesn't have to be. It yeah. Doesn't absolutely. Doesn't at all. So that I mean that's amazing, right? So what what is next? What's what's the next book for Raymond Isakov? What can we look forward to from you? I've got a, a collection of short stories that I've already written that I'm going through and tidying up. That I belong to a writing group, and they've all said to me, "Now I must get my stories together." So I've started on that already. But the problem is this poetry. It just like. It's an uninvited guest that just pitches up. <laughs> I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it just arrives. It knocks at the door, and I've got to let him in or them in. And so, but uh, that's, uh, I got to get more discipline in my head for, for that part. But 
the short stories was where I started. That's where I started with Lionel. And um, it's basically quite a few stories about it's a, it's a village and each person in the village has got his own story, like the the carpenter and the guy that's got the, the borehole. Because I come from farming stock. And so there was a guy that had the, the, the water driller, you know, that does, I don't know, in the old days they had a stump where, which is like a, a, like bangs its way down into the water. Oh, yes. And there's that guy and uh, he had all like crazy ideas. He, he didn't want to be buried in the cemetery, in the, near any of the, the taps in the cemetery because he, he struck water in the cemetery and uh, it's like crazy things, but that's where my, my, my stuff started. And then from there, I started writing shorter and shorter. After that, I started writing and I've got maybe including is some flash fiction, which is like 300 words, 200 words. It's a whole story in that short space. But then, and then the poetry started and, and bullied all the other guys out the way. Poetry as a bully. That's an interesting concept. Raymond is a cop. It's been an absolute pleasure having you as my guest and chatting poetry this morning. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's really been a a, a great morning talking about this. Makes me feel good. Good. Thank you for your time. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. And to you, my dear listener, I wish you and your loved ones a Shana Tova. May it be a sweet and good new year for all. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Wear a mask, get vaccinated and read a book.